morning once again. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, that's where we're going to be the of the day this morning. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been offended by something? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've ever been offended by something. Raise your hand if you've been offended by something this week. Okay? Raise your hand if you've been offended by something this morning. A couple of you? Okay. It's not me. I hadn't preached yet, so you may feel different about it afterwards. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever been the offender? <laughs> Kevin. Kevin's hand flew up quick. Like, like, I'm proud of this. I have offended people. Uh, I asked this morning, how many of you have offended people? Jamie Dye goes, like, touchdown. I'm like, that's me. You know, so maybe you agree with me, maybe you don't, but I feel like we are living in the age of offense. Would you agree with that? That we're living in the age of offense that if you, if you watch the news, if you get on social media, no matter what the story is, whether it's a good thing or, or unfortunately maybe a bad thing, regardless of where it lands, somebody's going to be offended by it, aren't they? And this is, I believe, where we are as a, as, a, as a culture, is that if something happens to you, Eric, say something happens to you and you're not offended by it, someone will go, you know what, Eric, I'll be offended for you. That's where we are, aren't we? There? I mean, people love to be offended in today's culture and society. Men are offended. Women are offended. Republicans and Democrats are both offended, atheists are offended, and even Christians have fallen into this trap of being offended. I was reading a story this week, which I think is kind of a silly story, and I think you will too after I tell you, but there is a vegan group that is pushing for different languages about food, and what, it, what they mean by that is instead of languages like bring home the bacon, they want you to say bring home the broccoli. How many of you think that's silly? Okay, a few of you. There's another story that I saw. I saw this on YouTube. It was from a few years ago, but I think it's a really cool, it's perfect about what we're talking about. That this same kind of group, this vegan group, they were protesting at a restaurant called Antlers. Now, how many salads do you think they serve at Antlers? Not many. That's not what they do. They are a steak and potato type place. Well, the guy that owns this place, Michael Hunter, was getting really tired of this protest group that had been outside of his restaurant for a week. And it was, it was starting to affect his business a little bit. People just didn't want to, you know, if there's a crowd outside of the restaurant that you're going to, and it's not a crowd that's waiting, it's just a crowd that's there to protest. It was a fact that people didn't want to go and be in the middle of all that, and I get that, and I'm sure you do too. So, on like day five of this protest, he comes in that morning, goes to the back, grabs a big slab of beef, goes to the front window, pulls a table up, and starts slicing that day's steaks right there in front of the protesters. How many of you think there's a lot of silliness in that story? Here's the problem, though. Here's the problem. Every one of us have things that we think are silly, and we see people react in what we consider a silly way. But to everything that you may think is silly, someone thinks it's what? Serious. And vice versa. Everything that you may find serious, someone's going to look at it and go, you know what? 
That's just kind of silly to me. I truly believe that we all have it within ourselves that if the wrong person on the right day, that maybe that morning you forgot to pray before you walked out the door, you walk out the door, <coughs> just the it's the perfect storm of situations, and they come and push the right button, you have it within you to become the most offended person in the room. Do you agree with that? Yeah, we all have that tendency within us. But the question is, as Christians, as Christians, what do we what, what are we supposed to do with offenses? What are we supposed to do with the idea of being offended? Let me ask you this question. Is being offended a Christian personality trait that we should have? Jesus talks a little bit about the idea of being offended. In Matthew chapter 24 is one of the first places that we read about it. He is uh, with his disciples, and they're trying to get a little inside information about when the when he's going to come back. And he starts talking about things that sometimes causes maybe some confusion and discussion. He starts talking about um, he starts talking about wars and rumors of wars and nations rising up against each other. And people like to to go to that and try to break down does this apply here? Does this apply here? But kind of tucked away in that chapter is verse ten. And it says, Jesus says this word, and then many will be offended. Many will be offended. Now, I'm not in any way trying to predict the end of the world, but Jesus did say that there was going to come a time and a place in our history as man that being offended was going to be people's natural demeanor. So we shouldn't be surprised that maybe we've gotten to that point. Later on in the book of Luke, Jesus promises us something that maybe we don't want. Maybe it's a promise that we don't want to grab a hold of. Most promises that Jesus gives to us, we want to grab a hold of them and hold them tight. But there's a couple that we're like, hey, are you sure? Are you sure you want to give me that one? And in Luke chapter 17, he promises us that people are going to bring offenses to us. People are going to do things with the intent of wanting to hurt us, wanting to tear us down, wanting us to get mad, wanting us to get aggravated, wanting us to get upset. But he goes on and he talks in that chapter about a couple of things. First he says, listen, people are going to come and they're going to try to offend you. So here's a couple of things. Number one, you don't have to be offended. And number two, make sure you are not the offender. He says, live your life in a couple of ways. Live your life as a Christian in a way that you're not making it your life's mission to offend other people. And secondly, you have to be offended. And, and this is why. Here's a couple of things I want you to think about. An offense, there's a difference in an offense and being offended, okay? An offense is what happened, all right? Offended is your reaction to what happened. Does it always have to be negative? No, not at all. Offense is an event. Offended is a decision. Here's my favorite. Offense is, hey, you did this, but offended is I will never forgive it. We're not supposed to be that way. Jesus says offense are inevitable, but offended, that's an option. So here's my question to you this morning as we get into our lesson, as we get into some, some biblical thoughts on this, is at this moment, think about this, scale of 1 to 10. Scale of 1 to 10 in your own life. No, I'm sorry. Is it possible for you to live your life unoffended? Okay, it is. It is possible. Here's the next question. What is your current level of offendability? What does it take 
to get you worked up to the point that you're just mad and aggravated and offended? What is your current level of offendability? And I think as we go through our lesson, one of the things that we're going to see is maybe as Christians, our level of offendability is maybe too high. And that if we change our perspective on offenses, okay, if we change our if we change our perspective on offenses, that maybe we can learn that maybe offenses are there not to offend us, but to help us grow. Have you ever thought that maybe our level of offendability is actually directly tied to our spiritual maturity? Think about that for a second. Our level of offendability is tied to our spiritual maturity. See, a lot of times God puts some of our greatest blessings on the other side of an offense. Because then we have to make the decision. There's God's blessing right there, but I've got to go through this challenge. I've got to go through this person. I've got to go through this event that could offend me. But I've got to decide, am I going to grow in my spiritual maturity and walk through that moment and not be offended so that I can reach the blessing of God? Or am I going to allow this offense to drag me down and miss out on God's blessing? That's the question that's the question that we see kind of going on in our story this morning from Matthew chapter 15. Let's, let's start in our, in our reading together. Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 22. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Okay, so let's set the stage here. She's, she's called what kind of woman? A what? A Canaanite woman. So what does that mean? That means she's a pagan. Okay, That means that she's not Jewish. She doesn't have any connection into the Jewish religion. She is worldly. She's worldly. And when she walks into this group of Jesus followers, she doesn't act like them. She doesn't respond to life like them. She is a pagan Canaanite woman, that is who she is. But something has happened to her. Something has happened to her that has made her decide that this Jesus guy, this Jesus guy is worth checking out because I believe he has something that I need. I don't know what her level of faith is at this moment. I don't know what her motivation is completely at this moment. But what I do know is something has happened that she said Jesus has something that benefits me. And why does she come to him? Because she's got that one person in her life that I'll let you run over me, I'll let you say bad things about me, I'll let you mess with me, but now Satan's messing with her daughter. And she says, you're going to mess with my daughter, the gloves are coming off. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that my family, my people, those that I love, those that I care about are taken care of. And that's usually, let's be honest, when people start getting into our close circle, that's usually when we're most likely to become offended, isn't it? When you start messing with things that care that I care about, that's when we look at offenses and go, now it's not just an offense, I'm going to let it offend me. And so she comes to Jesus, and she pours out her heart, says all the right things, Lord, Son of David, call him all the right names, have mercy on me. She humbled herself in front of him, and then she says, my daughter, I'm not here for me, I'm here for someone else. My daughter is demon possessed. And what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do? This is what Jesus does. 
Hey, everybody smile. Everybody smile. That's what Jesus does. Jesus ignores her. Jesus ignores her. Look at the next verse. Jesus did not answer a word. Jesus didn't. That's not my Jesus. Is that your Jesus? Is your Jesus an ignoring Jesus? The kids are all sitting here going, no, Jesus is sitting in the What have we learned about Jesus? All you got to do is say, Jesus is going to hear you. That's what, you just call on my name, and I'll come running. That's about Jesus. James Taylor song, right? Let's go about Jesus, right? No. But that's the concept we have of Jesus. Call on my name, and I'm going to come running to you. But right here it says, Jesus did not answer word. Let's look at this first idea here. How many of you have dealt with the offense? of being ignored? How many of you have dealt with the offense of being ignored? How many of you have dealt with a time in your life where you talk to God, you talk to God, you talk to God, and God doesn't respond? And you go, God, why are you ignoring me? And we, we teach sometimes that it's not right to think that. You can't wait. Take your Bible, Psalm chapter 22. Psalm chapter 22. And you hear this, you're going to understand that it's not just David that dealt with this, but Jesus dealt with this too, this idea, this offense of being ignored. Psalm chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. David writes these words. This is the man after God's own heart, okay? The man that we look at and say, hey, for the most part, he did everything he was supposed to do in life that God said, hey, you're the man after my own heart. And this is what he says. My God, my God, why have you, can you finish that phrase? Forsaken me. Who else says that? Jesus. David says, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. You ignore me. By night, I find no rest. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He has the same thing. He reaches all the way back into his knowledge of scriptures, and he pulls that verse out, and he claims that verse as his own. He says, God, where are you? He had just spent all this time in the garden praying to him. Hey, God, you said you'd be there. You said you'd be there. Why are you ignoring me now? Sometimes we find ourselves in that situation where we're being ignored. We're being ignored by God. We're being ignored by other Christians. We're being ignored by people that we think love us. But they just don't answer. And so we get offended by it. Let's look at the next idea here, though. I love the rest of verse 23. We can be guilty of this. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying after, if you're reading your Bible, what does it say right there? She keeps crying after who? Us. She keeps crying after us. Did anywhere in this first verse that we read, verse 22, did she cry out for anybody other than Jesus? But what did the disciples say? The disciples said, hey, Jesus, send her away. She's getting on minor. She keeps crying out for me. She keeps crying out after us. And they're like, get rid of her. This represents the idea of being offended by the institution. Another way we could say that, and it didn't start with an I, so it doesn't fit 
all the different words today. But being offended by the church, being hurt by the church. You see, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, the longer we hang out with Jesus, the more we think that we speak on his behalf. Now, don't get me wrong. Our job is to always spread his word. But whose word is it? Whose word is it? Is this my word? I mean, unlike most of you, I have a book named after me in this, in this book, but it's not really about me, though. It's about who? Jesus. But what we do if we're not careful is we start elevating our opinions, our thoughts, or traditions to the level of God's word, and we think people are here for us and not for Jesus. And when we do that, we have the ability to be great offenders. Now, if you'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, there's some things going on in the Corinthian church. As I mentioned this this morning, the Corinthian church is a young church. They're probably no older than 10 years old at this point, okay? How long has not been here in Haleville in some shape, form, or fashion? Can someone tell me roughly? You have to talk up, speak up. Somebody? 50 years? Longer than that? Does anybody know? <laughs> so it's been here a long time, though, right? Been here a long time. Do what? 120 years. I was way off. 120. So if you were here then, I'm going to guess. But this church has great roots in this community, right? It has an identity that's been formed over 120-something years. It's, it's got traditions that have been formed over 120-something years. This church in, in, in Corinth, they're still trying to figure out what the word Christian means. You know, like they're that young. They're, they're still trying to figure some things out. And some of them have forgotten. They've forgotten who they used to be, and they've elevated themselves to the institution. They're here for me. I speak for God. So he starts, Paul's going to just give them some thoughts here in verse 9. He says, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Well, I'm lucky because I'm not a wrongdoer. I'm a Christian. That's not talking to me, okay? He's talking to someone else right here. But he goes on, he says, do not be deceived. So he's like, hey, for those of you that think he's not talking to you, he's talking to you. He says, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor men who have sex with other men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And then the kicker verse, and that's what some of you were. He says, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget without God, this is who you are. Don't think you've got it within you to go, hey, they're here for me. Jesus, he keeps calling out for us. Because what defines you has nothing to do with you. What has to do with you is this old lifestyle, this old wrongdoing thing. He goes on and he says, and this is what some of you were, but now you're defined by something else. You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified, not by your name, but who? By the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So listen. Don't be guilty of being the offensive institution. Don't be guilty to think that, hey, they're here for me. Don't be guilty to think that my ways are just as good as God's ways. I speak for God. I'm here on his behalf. I'm telling you, you're wrong. We have hurt too many people like that in the church. 
We've hurt too many people. And let me say this. To those of you who may have been hurt by the church in that way, can we agree that we do not ever need to place, we do not ever need to place the nature of man onto the character of God? All right? Let's make sure we never place the nature of man, which we just read about, onto the character of God. Just because the church may struggle in loving you sometimes doesn't change the fact that God does. It just means that we're messing things up. We're being the offensers this moment. And also realize that just like sometimes the church can hurt you, God has built the church where it can heal you as well. So let's not get lost in being offended by the institution. Let's read some other things. Verse 24. Verse 24. He answered. This was his answer to her. First thing Jesus says. He was answering her. He's answering his disciples. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Here's the next offense that we can find here. It's the offense of insignificance. Jesus looks at this woman and says, hey, look, I know this is going on. The devil's picking on you. I get it. I get it. devil's picking on you. You're not who I came for. My mission is not for you. My mission is for the lost people of Israel. That's what I'm all about. Have you ever been made to feel insignificant? Anybody raise your hand. Have you ever been made to feel insignificant? We all have faced that at some point in our life. You all know that I love to cook. I have the body of a cook. I've worked really hard at this, okay? That's the body of a cook. I, I mean, if you cook it, you got to eat it. That's the way it goes. And so when I was kind of learning to cook, I, I made myself sick with some pork one night. Food poison. I had to go to the emergency room. I'm at the emergency room at the old ECM. I felt like I was dying. I wasn't, but I felt like it. And... Um, they call Mr. Ballantyne, they call me up, I go through triage, they give me, you know, my little baggie I'm supposed to carry around with me in case I get sick in there, and, and like, it's almost my turn, like, I'm the only one left in the waiting room, everybody, like, I'm next, I'm next. Mr. Ballantyne, I go up to the door, an ambulance flies into the ambulance bay, and she goes, hold on just a second. So I'm standing there, and I'm thinking, surely, I mean, like, my room's ready, right? Like, let's go on in. And she comes back, she goes, sorry, Mr. Ballantyne, we have a gunshot victim. You're going to have to wait a little bit longer. And just like that, I was the most insignificant person in the room. I felt like I was dying. This person was dying. My problems aren't as bad, right? That's what they think. I still think, hey, I should have been next. I felt insignificant. Now, that's kind of a, that's a very, uh, that, that's a very non-serious way to explain this. But we've all had those moments. And Jesus goes, hey, look, I'm not here for you. Now, let me ask you this question. Jesus has ignored you. You've been hurt, followers of Jesus, and now Jesus says, you're not important enough. How many of you are still there for Jesus? How many of you really feel that at that point Jesus would be there for you? This woman's like, I don't know a whole lot about him, but I know he's got something that I need, something that's going to make my life better. I'm going to go figure him out. I'm going to go talk to him. And this is how he responds. He offense after offense after offense. My nature and probably your nature as well is to do what? Forget it. I don't need you. 
If you don't, if, if, if I'm not that, if I'm not important enough to you, then I don't need you. But the thing is, is this is not who this woman is. This woman says, mm -mm, I'm, I'm not going to, I, I'm not going to take this. I, I'm here. I, he's messing with my girl. And I need you to help me. So let's, let's, let's keep reading what he says. Verse 26. No, verse 25. The woman came and knelt before him. So she humbled herself to the greatest way possible, okay? Just on her knees in front of him, begging him, okay? She came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. And he replied, It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. What has he just called her? A what? A dog. This is Jesus. Call on my name and I'll be there. I'm here, whatever you need. The Son of God. He's going to go down the cross for the sins of the world. And he looks at this woman and he calls her a dog. Which represents being insulted. You ever been insulted by someone? I have. I've probably been insulted more by Christians than I have non-Christians in my walk. And I'm sure a lot of you can say the same thing. I've heard these things, and they're sad, but it's how we are sometimes. How can you help parents learn to raise their kids when yours are on drugs? That's a statement I heard from a Christian to another Christian. Another statement I heard, can you, how can you help young married couples when your marriage is falling apart? We have to be careful not to insult people. Because you never know whether that's going to be the thing that pushes them away from God for good. But here this lady has been ignored. She's been made to feel insignificant. She has been hurt by the followers of Jesus. And now she's been insulted. How many of you are now walking away? How many of you? Probably most of us wouldn't have made it this far. And she goes, yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. What does she call him again? She refers to him as the what? The master. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. There's the Jesus we know, right? There's the Jesus we know. You have great faith. Your request has been granted, and her daughter was healed at that moment. What did we say at the beginning? That sometimes the greatest blessings that we face in our life are on the other side of some of the greatest offenses. We have to decide when we're facing offensive moments, are those things going to be stumbling blocks to us or are they going to be stepping stones to help us get one step closer to God? You have to make your mind up about which one it's going to be. The woman in our story today, look at all Look at all the stumbling blocks that surrounded her. All the things that could have pushed her further away from Jesus. But she stayed. And she said, I know you're good enough, Jesus. I know you're powerful enough. I know you're worthy enough. I know you're important enough. And I'm not leaving until I meet the real Jesus. And because of that, he says, you have great faith. Is your level of offendability... Or your level of offendability 
and your faith cannot be. Your, uh, your level of offendability can't be great and your faith be great. If your level of offendability is great, then your faith is not, and vice versa. The question is, you have to decide the day. Are your offenses that come your way? Jesus says they're coming. You can't, you can't stop them. They're going to be there. Just, just get ready for them. But are they stumbling blocks or are they stepping stones? Get over it. That's what I want you to walk out of here with today. When offenses come your way, just look at it and get over it and move on to the blessings of God. Can we do that together? Are you willing to do that? Raise your hand. All right. I'm going to hold you to it because I know who did it. I know who said I've got a selfie with, with like this much of you today, so we're going to do this together. Let's go to God and close in prayer, okay? God, I thank you for today. I thank you for a chance to just be together, to be in your presence, to be, to, to be with you in this moment of worship, God. We thank you for the times that we have challenging moments. God, help us to look at those moments as, as moments to grow. Help us to win those moments. If those are moments that Satan's trying to put down, Satan's trying to pull us away, God. Help us to not give in to those times and to understand that you're right there with us, that even through the offenses, Jesus was with this woman the whole time, right there in front of her. Help us to understand you're right there with us as well. Stones, not stumbling blocks today, God. It's in your son's pray. Amen. If there's anything you need, come as we stand and sing together. this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram.
and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community. Is inspired.